remind you if you have kids that are second grade and under that they are welcome to join us for children's church. I think a lot of them have already head out the back if they would like to. If you would like to, uh, before you sit down, I know I missed everybody, if you would like to remain standing or stand back up for just a moment, we are going to read scripture. And uh, this is, we are going to be continuing on in our study of Ezekiel, and we're going to start with the last verse of Ezekiel chapter 1, which is verse 28, and read through the second chapter of Ezekiel. Don't worry, it's not a long chapter. You will make it, I promise. Um, And we are going to stand as we read God's word in honor of God's word. And the word of the Lord through the prophet Ezekiel is this. He says that as the appearance of the rainbow and the clouds on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. Then he said to me, son of man, stand on your feet that I may speak with you. And as he spoke to me, the spirit entered me and set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, I am sending you to the sons of Israel, to a rebellious people who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. I am sending you to them who are stubborn and obstinate children. And you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. As for them, whether they listen or not, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, neither fear them nor fear their words. Though thistles and thorns are with you and you sit on scorpions, neither fear their words nor be dismayed at their presence. For they are a rebellious house. But you shall speak my words to them, whether they listen or not, for they are rebellious. Now you, son of man, listen to what I am speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. Then I looked, and behold, a hand was extended to me, and lo, a scroll was with it. When he spread it out before me, it was written on the front and back. And written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe. Please be seated. Let us pray together this morning. Gracious God, Lord, we pray that as we get into our text today, God, that you would just open up our hearts and our minds to hear the word. God, I pray that these are not my musings or my thoughts, but God, this is your word proclaimed. God, I pray that all of us here would hear the the warning and the message of of God to Ezekiel and that we would see it and it would be impressed upon our hearts that we might also not be a rebellious people. God, help us to hear and in hearing, help us to act. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I have a question for you, something that I'm actually quite curious about because I hear this from time to time. Who here remembers when we landed on the moon? A couple people. This is not an age test. Don't worry. Don't feel bad about it. So a few of you remember that. Remember what it was like when, when we landed on the, news, on the moon. We, you watched the thing. I'm not even going to get into who you here thinks it's a conspiracy theory and that we never did. Y'all, you, I'll pray for you people. Um, but who, you know, when we think, when we think about that, Maybe when you think about the whole, uh, the whole mission and the, and the moon landing, you maybe you remember the words of John, S. John F. Kennedy when the USA decided that that's what they were going to do. 
Kennedy is marked for saying these things. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and to do other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that goal will serve to organize and measure the best of our energies and skills. Because that challenge is one that we are willing to accept. One we are unwilling to postpone and one we intend to win. And the others too. Essentially, President, President Kennedy, that's for some reason really hard to say today, declared that we as a nation had decided to do something hard because it would reveal the, our very, very best. And that to do something hard would test our limits and to prove exactly what we are made of. This is a quality that often us in the United States can get behind. We love this idea and we love these things. We watch movies like the Apollo movies and stuff about them landing on the moon. We love watching shows and even reading books that, that revolves around someone who has to overcome all odds in order to achieve their goals. And whether you are thinking about the moon landing or the movie Rudy or, or anything else, we love these things and we love stories about them. We turn on the news and we watch a, a news story about someone who overcame all odds to make it to the Olympics or to raise money for their school or to just get to keep living and breathing every day. We have an entire book on our bookshelves in the libraries called the Guinness Book of World Records just to list all the accomplishments, all the times where people have done hard things in order to be the very, very best. And while we value this quality, it doesn't necessarily mean that we want this quality in ourselves, nor is it something that we always choose to pursue. A lot of time, we tend to choose what is easy over what is hard. And ironically, as much as we in our movies and, and stories and, and, and even in our own lives want to do hard things and admire people who do hard things, the world also encourages us to choose what is easy. And so we choose quick fixes, easy solutions. Sometimes even when things ought to be hard, we try to make them easy. Things like weight loss, healthy living, working hard to get an education and, and, and have a career. These are hard things that often we ultimately look for the easy fix. I think one area that is particularly true of us trying to always look for the easy way is in our walk with God. We say that we want to follow the Lord and we want to do what God wants us to do and we want to have a relationship with God that is a close relationship with God and yet often we end up choosing what is the quick and easy, what meets our needs and gratifies our desires quickly instead of doing what is called what it means to follow Him. And so because of, of that fact, we pick what is easy, we pick what is right there in front of us now, and ultimately choose not to follow God at all, even if we say we want to. In our passage today, we read about God's call to Ezekiel, His call to become His prophet. And what we realize from this is that God is calling Ezekiel to do something very hard. And yet, 
that is the very thing that God expects from him. Our passage picks up today really where we left off last week, and that is Ezekiel seeing God face to face. Now, this has not been a just a, a normal thing. This was not just Jesus in a robe carrying a lamb that we often see portrayed in pictures. But he has seen God glorified on his throne with, with people carrying him, showing that he is not just in Israel, but in all of the world. He is glorious, majestic, powerful, scary, and, and wonderful. And because God is both wonderful and terrifying, we find Ezekiel face down on the floor. He is scared to death and in awe of the God who created the heavens and the earth. As we see Ezekiel lying in the dirt, God begins to speak to him. He calls him to rise and by the power of the Spirit he stands. Notice that Ezekiel does not stand on his own power, but the Spirit has to go into him and cause him to rise. And then God says these words to Ezekiel, son of man. I am sending you. If we go throughout other parts of Scripture, whenever God calls a prophet, we see words very similar to this. God is calling individuals to speak on his behalf and to speak his words. There's something that I want to, to you to take very special note of today as we get into this text. And it is something that, that is, is the thing I probably want you to take away from this passage today. And that is this, God is doing this. God is the initiator. God is the one speaking. God is the one uh, moving people. God is the one that, that, that is making all of this happen. It is God who calls Ezekiel, not himself. It is God who causes him to stand. It is God who is going to make all of this happen, and he is going to make all of this possible. God is the source of all these things. We have to remember that. That is the most important thing that we can remember as the church today, because too often in the church today, we're trying to do it by our power and our intelligence, and our strategies, and our ways, and we don't really give much thought to God. We think that we've got it under control all by ourselves. But as we look at this passage, we are going to see throughout this whole passage that it is God who is on the move. So what is this prophet going to do? The prophet is going to declare to the people... God's message. God is the source, not Ezekiel. He is the one that is going to give him the words. In fact, we even see this in verse 4 when he says that they will hear, thus says the Lord God. They are going, the people of Israel, the people that, that God is sending Ezekiel to, they are going to hear a word from the Lord. Notice that he calls them to do this whether they listen or not. He says that, that you will go and you will declare to them, thus says the Lord. And then he says, he says that they may not listen. Verse 5 says, as for them, whether they listen or not, they will know that a prophet has been in their midst. It should be interesting for us to remember that success and obedience do not necessarily go hand in hand. Just because we are being obedient does not necessarily mean that we will be successful in whatever God is calling us to. 
We need to understand as we walk with the Lord that God measures our faithfulness by our obedience, not our success. It is not about how much good we do. It is not about how big of an impact we have. It's not about how many people know about us, how much money we make, how many people were converted, how big the church got to be, or how big your Sunday school got to be. It's not about any of those things. God does not measure faithfulness by success. He is telling Ezekiel, you're not going to be successful. But I'm calling you to be obedient. When he says these words, I was reminded of what Jesus said to the Apostle Peter in John chapter 21, verse 22. And in the midst of all of this, uh, he has told Peter that I want you to feed my lambs and feed my sheep. And he's recommissioned uh, Peter to do the work of ministry in his life. And, and when all that is said and done, he says, by the way, where you're at right now in life, you dress yourself, you decide where you're going to go, and, and you're in charge of your own life. He says, but there's going to come a day when you won't. There's going to come a day, Peter, when you won't get to dress yourself. And you won't get to decide where you go. And, and right now, you may put your own clothes on and you might have all that freedom, but there's going to come a day where there, someone's going to tie up your hands and lead you to a place you don't want to go. And Peter, in the midst of hearing this, knowing that Jesus is speaking about his own martyrdom, sees John. And as John is there behind him, he asks well, what about him? What are you going to do to him? If you're telling me that I'm going to die a martyr's death, what about John? What's he going to do? And Jesus says these, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Now, none of us here are being called to be a prophet. The prophecies and, and, and that all the, the office of prophet has been fulfilled completely through Christ, who is our perfect prophet, God in the flesh. However, all of us know that we have been called to deliver a message to the world. Just a few weeks ago, we read from the Gospel of Mark, and in Mark 16, 15, we read, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all of creation. So we have a message from God. And we have a group that we're supposed to send that message to. And we need to do it. We are not a prophet of God with a specific message from God, but we, if we are in Christ, are the people of God with the message of God, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are called to send that not to just Israel or a specific group of people, but to all of creation. And I, the funny thing is, is we kind of do what Peter did, and we're like, well, I, I told so-and-so. What, what are they doing? What, it doesn't matter. Don't look at other people and say, well, am I doing better than them, or are I doing worse than them, or, or well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so over there. Well, you know, I may not be the best Christian in the world, but I'm, I'm better than, than that person over there because that person over here did that. doesn't matter. God says, what is that to you? What is that to you that, that you go to church on Sunday? Or you put money in the plate? Or you did this when you were a kid? Or you did that to that? Or what is it to you that, that those people over there don't? You follow me. See, that's the funny thing is what we realize right off the bat is that, that our focus is never supposed to be on other people in the world. 
It's not about how good the pastor is. It's not about how good the congregation is. It's not about whether you're better or worse than someone else. The question is, are you following Jesus? We, this morning, baptized this young lady right up here, and her very words by doing that is, I will follow Jesus. Which means for her, it doesn't matter what Audrey does. It doesn't matter what Dennis does. It doesn't even matter what her mom or dad or grandma or aunt or uncle or anyone else does. What matters is, are you, are we going to follow Jesus? And if the answer is yes, then we are to go and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. But let's take a moment and let's look at the people that Ezekiel is being called to. God calls Ezekiel to go to the people of Israel. And I want to look specifically, go with me just a second, to chapter 3. And I want you to look at what he says about them in verse 4 and 5. He says, Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult, difficult language, but to the house of Israel. Ezekiel is being sent to his people. And one might even think in the midst of all that, well, surely his people are not going to be the hard people. The hard people are going to be the people that are not like him, right? Because it would be far harder if you think all of us here, if we said, hey, we want you to tell people about Jesus, you would think we would say, well, the people that speak our language, that um, like the same things we like, that, that, that do the same things we do, that the people are, are from the same area and know, know this, you know, have the same accent and all that stuff, surely that would be way easier than getting on an airplane, flying halfway across the world, and, and trying to speak to people that don't speak our language. I don't want to have to learn a new language and learn new culture and learn new dress code and learn new flow of life and, and learn all these things before I can share Christ. Surely these are easier people than someone outside of the nation, someone new. And yet look how God describes his own people. As we go through chapter 2 and chapter 3, we see these descriptions, that they are rebellious, stubborn, obstinate, that they are a people who should listen but won't. We see that in verse 7. They are a people with hard faces and hard foreheads, this is to imply that they are hard-hearted and hard-headed. These are people that, that, that don't want to listen and don't want to change. Their ears are closed off to the message, even though they should listen. If you think about it, even though that they should be the ones that say, hey, this is a prophet, he's speaking from God, we should get excited about this and listen to what he says, God is telling them they won't do that. They won't listen. They don't want to hear what you have to say because they are stubborn and rebellious. Chapter 3, verse 6 is an interesting passage, and depending on your translation, it, it says some interesting things. It says, I'm not sending to a people of unintelligible speech or difficult language whose words you cannot understand, but I have sent you to those who should listen to you. And what, what uh, other translation is saying, a, a more accurate reading of that is, but if I sent you to those people, they would listen to you. 
He even flat out tells Ezekiel, listen, I could send you to the people of Babylon. I could send you to Egypt. I could send you to Assyria. And if I sent you to them, they would probably listen. But I'm not sending you to them. I'm sending you to the people who won't listen. Man, that's tough. That's certainly not a job I want to submit my resume to. I want you to think for just a moment. There is a chance. There is a chance. I want you to just be open to this for just a second. There is a chance that God is calling us and maybe even calling you to share Christ with difficult people. With people that that you think should listen, but won't. Or maybe even to people that you can't believe for a second that they are going to listen to a word you have to say. They are difficult people. This might be family. And I get it. Because preachers have families. And their families don't want to listen to them preach any more than you want to listen to me preach. They could be friends. They could be co-workers. Ex-family, people who are far from God. They could be tattoo artists, gas station attendants, third shift factory workers, people who who have, have made it very, very difficult to share Christ with for whatever reason. But I want you to understand something, brothers and sisters. We are running out of easy people. The gospel is not assumed in our culture anymore. The gospel is not the forefront in anything. Our life does not revolve around Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights anymore. It is getting harder and harder to reach people, and the easy people are getting harder and harder to find. If the gospel only goes to the easy, churchy, church folk people, then we're not going to be around very much longer. But we need God's people to go to hard people and people in hard places around us with the gospel. We need that. We need, we need to share Christ with people that are three, four, five, six, seven generations away from, from any sort of church affiliation. People who would drive past this church or any other church in Hardin County and say, I wonder why on earth anybody would ever go there. You don't believe me, but I'm telling you right now, there are people in Hardin County who have no idea what the gospel is. And then worse, we have people in Hardin County who think they're believers, but in reality could care less. The gospel needs to go to them. And it may be you that is being called to them. Mark, Mark 16, 15 calls the church to go to all of creation, and that includes hard places and hard-to-reach people. And we need to do this so that they will know, as it says in chapter 2, verse 5, that a prophet has been among them. What that means is, is that we speak the truth into their life to a point that at the very least they know we have the words of God. Now, as I said, you are not a prophet, nor am I. 
but we have a message from God that they need to hear, and at the very least, they need to know that the message we have does come from God. That might mean that you have to be with them long enough so that they're open to the truth. Because quick fixes and fast solutions don't always work. Luke 14, 23 says this. It says, And the master said to the slave, Go into the highways and along the hedges and compel them to come so that my house may be full. This is a parable of a, a feast and a, a wedding feast. And, and they go out and they go to the easy people. And really what ends up happening in this parable is the easy people, his friends and his, his, his uh, contemporaries and his colleagues, they're not interested. They all have excuses for why they don't want to come and celebrate in the marriage feast. So he says, fine, go to the hard places. Go to the highways. Go to the hedges. Go, go anywhere and everywhere and share, the, and share the good news and invite them to the party so that they will do that. And that is exactly what the church is being called to do today. The easy places are done. The easy places are easy because they already have the gospel. Let's go to the hard places. Let's go to the hard communities. Let's go to the hard people. Let's go to the, the difficult, challenging places and share Christ with them so that God's house might be full. Ezekiel had been called to a rebellious, obstinate, stubborn people to make known the message of God. We have been called to go to all of creation and share the Christ with them. God calls Ezekiel to be a prophet. He tells them that he's going to this stubborn and obstinate people. But then I want you to look in at verse 8 of chapter 2. He says, Now you, son of man, listen to what I am speaking to you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house. Even though Ezekiel is part of this rebellious nation that he is in them, he's among them, he's even a priest in the church, God calls him to be different. Different by not rebelling against God. Different by doing what God calls him to do. What is amazing about this is it says that in doing so, when he says, do not be rebellious like they are, but open your mouth and eat what I am giving to you, he tells them, listen, here's what I want you to do. Don't be like them, but be obedient. Do what you have been called to do. And I want you to understand this. Being obedient to God is hard sometimes because the world doesn't want you to be obedient to God. The world wants you to be like them. And the older you get, Ainsley, the more you're going to recognize that. Because the flow of the world is to not be obedient to God. We know this. And he's telling them, listen, these are, oh, these are disobedient people, these are rebellious people, and I am calling you, be different. Do the hard thing by being different. And he says, and if you will obey me, if you will follow me. If you will do what I am calling you to do, I will give you what you need to accomplish your mission. I want you to notice the things that, that God says that he will provide for Ezekiel in his call as the prophet. First thing, he will give Ezekiel his words. 
We see this in that eating of the scroll. He hands them this scroll, and on it is, is filled front and back to show that it's completely filled, that there's a lot to be said. And he says it's filled with lamentations and mournings and woe, which means these aren't going to be fun, happy, Jesus loves me this, I know conversations. And he says, I want you to eat this. I want, you to, I want to fill your belly with this because I'm going to fill you with this word. I will give you what you need to say. We see also in this passage that he, got, he is going to give Ezekiel his resolve. After he declares that the uh, nation of Israel is hard-headed, has, has a hard face and a hard forehead, basically saying that they are hard-hearted and, and, and thick-headed, if we, we might say today, he says, but you know what? I'm going to make you even more hard-headed. And I'm going to make, make you even more hard and even more stubborn because you're going to have to be even more stubborn to see these people come to know me. And so he gives him his resolve and he gives him that heart and the fire and the desire to pursue God no matter the cost. And lastly, he calls Ezekiel to not be afraid. One could argue that he gives him courage. Think about this for just a moment. Even though the people would not listen, even though they would hate him, and they would mistreat him. That's what it means when he says, even if you sit among thistles and thorns and, and sit on top of scorpions, that's what he's talking about. He's saying when you're around these people, they're going to try to hurt you and pierce you and, 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 and poison you and do you harm. Don't be afraid. He calls them to be brave. We may ask the question, why? Why would you be brave when you're being told that you're going to go do the very hardest thing that you've ever tried to do? And I was reminded of the words of God to Joshua. And in Joshua 1.9 it says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Ezekiel is the man of God who was called to do hard things among a hard people for the glory of God. And brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, you are called to that same thing. For if you are in Christ, you are God's people called to take the gospel to all of creation. And that's what we need to do. And when we do that, the word promises us that he will give us the message we need. He will give us the gospel and how to present it to those people as the time presents itself. He will give us a burden and a heart for people that we will see lostness around us and our hearts will be broken for it and we'll be moved to have compassion even on the most stubborn and obstinate of those around us. And then he'll give us the courage to share Christ. And then to share Christ again, and share Christ again, and again, and again. So that they will know, even if they reject it, that they have heard the good news. 
I want to share that good news with you this morning. And we, we share it a very specific way at our church because we want you to learn how to share it this way. And I bet lots of people have. And we believe here at Tunnel Hill Baptist Church that God has a design. In the Bible, it says that God created the heavens and the earth. And we believe that God made all things with purpose, on purpose, and that includes you. That God made you, that he, the Bible says that he knows you, and that God has a purpose and a design for your life. But that doesn't mean that we follow God's purpose and design for our life. In fact, everyone here in this room, because uh, of that desire to go find our own purpose and our own wants and our own desires to, to go back to what we said about finding the quick and easy fix, we depart from God's design, and that's called sin. And sin is when we say, God, this is maybe what you want me to do, but I want to do my own thing. It's doing what we want to do, when we want to do it, how we want to do it, regardless of what God wants us to do. And you'll notice by that arrow that when we sin, that means we go somewhere else and what we, where we end up is a place called brokenness. And just like if you use a tool or you use a toy or you use anything out there, the way it's not intended to be used gets broken, so too do we find ourselves in a place of brokenness. And all of us are here at some point in our lives. And that brokenness, I don't even, I can go to all the Bible verses and I can tell you all the things, but I want you to just realize this for a second. If you are honest with yourselves, you know what brokenness is. Brokenness is when we feel like we're not living up to our potential. When we feel wrong. When we feel, uh, when we feel like, like we could be doing better. When we feel like we just don't fit in, that we're not who we're supposed to be, that's brokenness. And I'll give you a little hint, spoiler alert, all of us have felt that. Every single person in this room, no matter how perfect you think they are, they have felt brokenness. And see, we all try to fix brokenness our own way. And some of us fix brokenness by playing. We, we go play. And we just fulfill our wants and desires and we just and we just go play. And sometimes we, we get stuff and we try to amass as many things and comforts as we want. Some of us try to hide our brokenness behind alcohol or drugs. Some of us try to pass our brokenness on to our kids and think maybe if we make it so they're not broken, then maybe, maybe we won't be broken by extension. But we can't fix our brokenness, and the brokenness always comes back. And the reason for that is, is we can't fix brokenness from brokenness. And so we need something outside of us to deliver us from our brokenness. And that's where the gospel comes in. The gospel is the good news that God did, in fact, send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross for your sins and for my sins, that he was buried and that he rose again three days later. See, when Jesus did all of that, he paid the penalty for our sin and he made a way so that we could be delivered from our brokenness. And the Bible says that if you repent and believe on the gospel, that you'll be saved. In fact, what it specifically says is that if we believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess Jesus is Lord, which is turning away from our sin, turning away from our own way, turning away from the quick and easy, and turning to Jesus as our Lord and Savior, 
that if we will do these things, that we will be saved from our brokenness and begin to recover and pursue God's design for our life. Now, this is easy, but this is hard. Because it's easy. It's easy because you don't have to do anything to fix yourself. Because Jesus has done that for you. But it's hard because you have to admit, I can't do anything to fix myself. And that I need Jesus to fix me. So where are you at today? Do you see yourself still in that brokenness? Maybe you recognize you in one of those little squiggly lines there and you're trying to go through life distracted or, or numbing yourself to your brokenness, but you know you're still broken. Or maybe you're here today and you just know you're broken. And you're just sitting there going, I, 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 I got nothing left. I came to church because I was hoping that you'd give me some, some 10 simple rules to live my best life now. Sorry, we don't have those here. But we do have the gospel. And the gospel says you don't need 10 easy steps to live your best life. The gospel says Christ lived it for you. And that you need to surrender your life to Jesus and trust him for saving faith. And if that's where you're at today, then we would invite you to respond to the gospel today. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to go stand right there. And if you'd like to have a conversation about what it means to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're welcome to come up and have a conversation with me. If you want to wait till the service is over and come up and talk to me, that's fine too. But don't wait until you don't feel as broken anymore. Do it now. Give your life to Christ. And then you can start to be able to do those hard things that God is calling you to. And see other people know Christ as well. Let's pray. Our gracious God and King, Lord, we stand in all of your goodness and your grace. Lord, we recognize that you are good. And God, that you have called us to do hard things like the prophet Ezekiel. And that God, you want the gospel message to go out to the nations. And God, we know for the gospel message to go out, it has to start in our hearts. And God, I pray if there is anyone here today that, that is living in their brokenness, trying to hide it, cover it up, numb it, do whatever they need to do in order to not feel broken, Lord, that they would see clearly. And God, that they would give their lives to you. One of the greatest encouragements that we have in Scripture was found in, in, in your words to Joshua. When you said, I am with you. And God, we know that when we give our lives to Christ, that you are with us. That your spirit fills us inside. And God, that we will be able to walk with you. And so God, I pray with every fiber of my being that not one person would leave here today wondering if you're with them. But God, that everyone here would surrender their lives to you and would walk with you and do the hard things that you've called them to do. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.